Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Let's Get Jory Into Movies. My name is Jacob. My name is Lucas. And I'm Jory. And today, we're going to be discussing the 1984 classic The Ghostbusters, which is directed by Ivan Reitman and written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. The Ghostbusters tells the story of Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen that has it all. She wants nothing more than to be Mrs. Warner Huntington III, but there is one thing stopping him from proposing. She is too blonde. Elle rallies all of her resources and gets into Harvard, determined to win him back. Jory, what did you think of the Ghostbusters? This whole thing just a giant scam. <laughs> I've been talking about this for weeks just so you could make a joke. <laughs> I think Ghostbusters is probably one of the movies that I've watched the most, I think, out of any movie that I've ever seen. Uh, it was good. It was less bad than I thought it was. Well, less be. bad. That's, that inspires great confidence that you thought Ghostbusters was less bad. I thought that I was going to not like it at all. Um, would you see it again? No. Yeah. Well, not never again. But I don't. I wouldn't like. You know, I have it. I had to rent it, so I have it thirty more days. You have thirty more days. You wouldn't watch it again. You watch it again. I'm not gonna watch number two. I'm not gonna watch 2016 Ghost. I I don't think there's any reason to. I I liked it. I liked it. You seem unsure I, if you liked it. I didn't. I definitely don't like it as much as you do. <laughs> I, I just think it's so perfect, outside of like a couple scenes, which we'll get into later. Uh, for the most part, it just makes me feel good, because I think it, it just... The tone of the movie, and, and, and the jokes, the dry humor, and, and, and the proton packs, which are used... Like, they only use it for like 15 seconds, it's very spare. It it just works to make just it, it picks me up out of any and I I, I still la I still laugh I it's, I've watched so many I still chuckle at so many of these things but I think dry humor is the right word to describe it because it's not necessarily all like entirely laugh out loud like it's not like Blazing Saddles where you're like you fall off your chair laughing the humor is very balanced because I think there's all different types of humor it's dark humor it's like slapstick humor and then it's like wordplay humor. I think it, because it's understated it's not yeah. very like set up pay it's not very black and white I think you're right I think it's it's more clever than I expected it to be it was a lot it's of it harder than I thought it would be. is situation and a lot you know what I mean it's it's a lot of it is the way that like normal people construct jokes which is just a lot of repartee mm. and back and forth you said it's very quotable yes what are your faves um do you believe in God and what is he he says do you believe in God, Ray? And then he says, uh, no, I never met him. I never met him. <clears throat> That's one, one of my ones that always sticks out to me is, uh, is when they, 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 they're, they're investigating what turns out to be Slimer and they've proton packed the poor cleaning lady and she mm. goes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, and they say, sorry, I, I, we thought you were someone else. That is a laugh out loud moment. Yeah. You, you didn't laugh at that poor cleaning lady's expense? I like... When they walk off and the cleaning lady is like trying to put out the fire that they start <laughs> yeah. a little mister thing. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's cute. It, it's cute. Okay, do you like Slimer? Because Slimer is pretty contentious, actually, with me. I don't know if I a hundred percent like. This well, slime. it helps that he is only in it for a very, a very short period of time. Well, it's also funny because like Slimer, besides the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, somehow is like the most like yeah. fucking iconic thing of Ghostbusters. Like he's in every Ghostbusters thing. And he's really not supposed when you when you watch the first one, and he's not supposed to be. He's just like this like fat ghost mm. that 
he eats a bunch, and, it gets, and I guess it's a cool character design. But... Which Dan Aykroyd believes is the ghost of John Belushi. No, I thought he was just supposed to be. He doesn't believe that he's... Yeah. I mean, Dan Aykroyd's a lunatic, but do you think he actually believes that that is the ghost of John Belushi? Yeah. They were really close friends, so he casted him. That's a real friend, by the way. Someone who's going to cast your ghost? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone who turns up as a ghost to film. That's true. That's commitment, is if you turn up as a ghost. I mean, all he had to do was, like, put a bunch of gunk on Bill Murray. <laughs> and just... You don't like Bill Murray, Jory, and... Well, uh, I... So I haven't seen any Bill Murray movies for, like, 20 years. So mm-hmm. let's start with... Well, almost. Let's start with that. But my memory of him is that he's just, like... A dropkick guy who doesn't take anything seriously and he's just like a pain in everybody's ass and he's meant to be relatable and likable because he's sticking it to the man but he's really like just a jerk <laughs> well, well that's actually funny because you're saying that's a bad thing but it, that is essentially the Peter Fankman character so I don't know if it's just that I don't remember Bill Murray properly, or if in Ghostbusters he dialed down the shtick. But it's he was less annoying than my memory of Bill Murray. Well, that's the thing, I think that in terms of what you're saying about the, the Bill Murray jokes, is that most of the movies, they wrote the script, but Bill Murray kind of just did his own thing. He, he's just ad-libbing the whole time, essentially. Mm. And I think because he has a very different idea. You know, you watch interviews of him and he's very clearly on drugs, and he's not... <laughs> He's, he's that sort of unaware of, of, of all this other stuff going around him, which is perfect for Peter Bankman's character, because it's mm. someone who is kind of, as a one-track mind, he's going to be a sort of smarmy sleazeball with no regard for others, and, and it sort of fits perfectly into his wheelhouse. Yeah, so, so it's less in the sleazeball than I expected. Well, the thing is, he's the main character, but it is an ensemble. Mm. It, it very much is. Uh, they all have their part to play, and it doesn't work without any of them. Yeah. At all. Like, you need them all to be there for the movie to work. Except Winston. No, you need, you do need Winston. You don't need Winston. You, you do need... need somehow to introduce a couple of plot points. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, well, you need someone so that you need the everyman to explain the expo- expository dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> so you do need him. You know, the receptionist probably could have done her job and Winston's job in the movie. That's like, true. Like, her role. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, yeah. I don't... You don't think so? Maybe, well, because here's the thing, is that I know why... Okay, you're just... <laughs> because you do need, in the sense of, like... That is true. <laughs> I, I, not a bad thing. No, I mean... He's not a terrible character that ruins the movie. He's just not necessary. No, he's not... You know, you're right. He's not... In the sense, he's not even on the poster. <laughs> they, 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 they kept him off the poster. <laughs> but even she doesn't need to be the fourth. There's no need for a fourth Ghostbuster because there isn't a fourth Ghostbuster for half the movie. What for me, what he was, Winston was, is like he was an everyman who like lent them credibility. They weren't just like these nutcases. Even though that's not like said. No, I think his role in the film was to validate. The Ghostbusters, and then he had that thing where he had to introduce the idea of the end of days, that that conversation, the religious about stuff, God. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was in it so little that his like character 
That is the one thing, though, that the second one has is, is more Winston. <laughs> is more Winston. And has it turned Because he does something. Well, no, it's just because Bill Murray didn't want to be in it, and so they had to have someone else to help. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. it but, but I guess Winston is there for convenience because, like, at one point, because, like, there's a sort of, like, not a montage, but, like, a, a lot of stuff happens that we don't see. And yeah. he... They don't really develop how that might be one of the flaw of the movie, at least with the character, is that they don't really develop him and see his progression into Winston's character. Yes, and Ghostbusters one, um, because but they do have like there's there's that whole like when Bill Murray is in the is is having the date with Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. and then um, Harold Ramis is in the see, meets Rick Moranis like finds Rick Moranis or. Like, the cops drop him off and he's at the station and then but like Dan Aykroyd is like kicking ass and like catching ghosts and uh he's with Winston and I guess it makes sense like he wouldn't go on a job by himself to catch a ghost he'd have right so that's the good thing about Winston but they could have had him more of Winston other than just oh yeah you know judgment day and shit like that you know that reminds me the other point that he played was they had to. They were so busy because they were so good at busting ghosts, so they had to hire extra help. So right. It was like a way. Of it's like a plot point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't entirely mind that they don't show the progression because I think that within the well, movie, movie slower. I agree because it goes from them saying, you know, yeah, we're going to need all this capital to build the traps, and then they just the hotel using the traps. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, I don't need to. Why well, I think I don't that? Care yeah, I think they got them. that. I even though I don't like Slimer, I think the point of the whole Slimer sequence that is essentially their training montage. Mm. That is their building mm-hmm. montage because it's them using it for ostensibly the first time for us and for them. So we get to see them kind of using it in real time and as they learn how all, all that you know. But I think what's great about the movie is that it's so funny and it's all about like. It does. It is more of a character-driven story than like a plot. Like it has a great like the plot is very. It's good and it's great or whatever. But I think it's so focused on the characters and how they like riff with each other that um, a lot of that shit, like you know that the technology and like you know all that stuff is kind of like it's good that it's there to sort of explain a lot of things, but. Um, not explain all the things, but it's good that it's there because it's like visually appealing. But they don't get into too much of this is the you know whatever, and this is how it works. Like just kind of like you right. don't have to. It's not tedious where it's like, you know, it's not hard sci-fi where it's like focused too much on the technology. It's just most. This is focused on the character. Yeah, and it's believable enough through the character descriptions that Egon Spengler mm-hmm. could build a proton pack. And I don't care what it is. Like, I don't care if... It doesn't matter that, you know, realistically this thing can be built. I guess it's... I'm glad that they don't waste time on that. Right, yeah. It's pretty useless. It's pretty streamlined. Yeah. One of the things, one of my nerds, was that I really enjoyed it until it tried to have a story. When do you think it tried to have a story? halfway through. Was there, like, a specific... All the Zool stuff. Okay. So the first half is, like, everything we've been talking about, and they're just, like ghost busting and they're riffing with each other and they're you know shooting their lasers and whatever 
And it's obviously all the other stuff is mentioned. Like Sigourney Weaver's introduced in the first like 20 minutes or whatever. But then the second half is just like this this old god from this old world and they're coming back. And well, I, I guess... This building, so now we have to go and do all that. And then all of that second half, I was less interested in. Right, well, what, what would you say to the fact that Sigourney Weaver, when she is introduced, is introduced as someone who is calling the Ghostbusters? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, yeah. No, so, like, it is... It's a slow build within her story because she shows up and her eggs are exploding and, you know... Yes, you're right. I... Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Just like, you know, the gatekeeper and the key, key man, master, whatever they were called. Key master. Key master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was cool, I guess. If it had just been them, like, going to various... Which is, it's not going to make a great movie, I admit this. But just them, like, going to different places and catching different ghosts. That's fine by me. Right. I don't need, like, mythology thrown in. You know, just so you can have a big explosion at the end. I, I I will concede that even though it is set up earlier, the the ending with just crossing the streams mm. is a little bit anticlimactic because um, it kind of just ends like pretty abruptly. <laughs> the Stay Puffed Man is very quick as well. Yeah, he just like I remember. I think I remember him from my childhood somehow. I don't remember seeing the movie, but I remember, like, the big marshmallow man from Ghostbusters mm-hmm. somehow. Um, and so I assumed that he had, like, a massive role in the movie. He's, no. He's, like, <laughs> two minutes and then he's on fire. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is a result of Choose the Form of Your Destructor. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why he's a marshmallow man. Yes. What do you think about how outside of the librarian ghosts... And I guess the zombie cab driver. None of the ghosts, they all look like aliens. What do you think of that? As opposed to, like, guys in sheets. Well, no, just like, you know, the, the first lady is this, a translucent woman who's floating. Mm. And then later, there's, like, this weird pterodactyl thing that shoots out of the subway. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is that? Well, I definitely prefer the zombie cab driver and the library ghost, <laughs> I think, because they looked really cool. Right. Um, and the dogs are cool too. Yeah, and they're like demons. The dogs are cool, even though yeah. the special effects is a little bit dated yeah. with the rotoscoping. It looks a little bit bad. Yeah, but you know, I think it's all right. Did it look good at the time? You were you weren't around at the time, obviously. I, but I don't it, know. Is the, was the technology like primo at the time? That was as good as it. Yeah, anything like that. Yeah, because had looked before? I think before it was they would if they did monsters. I mean, it would mostly be puppetry right. and um, uh, stop motion. But I think, yeah. So I think I mean it's not amazing, but I think it, I like it more than if it was like CGI or whatever. I think I think it's fine. I mean, I definitely prefer like you know when the dog is not moving it's right cool. yeah when it's when it's when in close up shots yeah. and it's the puppet it looks great but I think they still do use stop motion for when it's running across the park yeah, oh, yeah. there's, there's yeah, that I'm one shot that looks really bad <laughs> there's just that that one shot that <laughs> when I was rewatching it just now it really stood out to me but the beauty of Ghostbusters is that it's so ridiculous and again it's so focused on the characters that like it doesn't I don't think it really matters that much because as soon as you think it's kind of weird immediately you're still back with Lewis Tully just like running around hmm. and yeah and what it does yeah that's a good point because what, what it does that um, new movies don't do that often like uh, 
it doesn't really spend too much time with the special effects. It's just kind of there when it's needed, but it immediately goes back to the characters and the story. And yeah. uh, I think the fact that it's so brief makes it almost like unnoticeable. Exactly. And, yeah. And I, th- I think there's something where it's also this is like when you think of the most iconic things in the movie, you think of Staple of Marshmallow Man, Slimer, and the Proton Pack. And Staple of Marshmallow Man is there for two minutes. Uh, Slimer's in one sequence in the middle of the movie, and it's not really crucial to the plot. And the proton pack, they shoot them for like maybe a minute total. They don't really use them, but they're the most iconic, like the lightsaber. They don't really use the lightsaber that much mm-hmm. in the first couple Star Wars movies. But people just know that they're so cool, but it is always just like that. I mean, it's about the characters. And uh, Joe, you mentioned how the Marshmallow Man was in your, you knew it when you were a child without knowing if you've seen it. Yeah. It must have, it's definitely something where like it didn't, you know, merchandising and stuff like that, it influenced the pop culture, like, it influenced pop culture so much that it just, like, you know, we recognize it and we kind of assume that it's going to be a big deal, but it's just because of pop culture, you know, like, because of what we know of pop culture. Um, Yeah, the image is is kind of burned into everyone's mind, whether it's kind of this big epic finale or not. Because as cool as a zombie taxi driver is, you know, I forgot about that seeing it this time around, and they should have made that the thing that represents Ghostbusters because that was <laughs> kind of scary. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know because all the other ones are see-through, and then I guess the ghost went into the tailpipe because they show it going into the tailpipe. But then does that yeah, mean that the true. the car is possessed? Uh, the montage sequence in the middle of the movie is good. The yes. one where they all. Yeah, just keep catching they, they keep catching ghosts, and, and Larry King, uh, oh yeah, is in yeah. there, and, and and he's talking to them. And in the middle of the sequence is the one thing that I hate in this movie, where Ray uh, gets fucked by gets a fucked by a ghost. Yeah, and I've always thought it like when I was a kid, I didn't know what it meant. Like when his eyes like go, he goes cross-eyed. I always thought, well, I don't know what that means, and I still don't know what it means. But I think Someone you can argue that much. it's a character moving. It's a character progressing moment. Why? Go on, well, yeah. <laughs> well, because you wonder why. So, like, if you were in bed, Jacob, and a ghost <laughs> were to go to your bed, yes, and were to about to perform fellatio on you, um, you would probably jump out of, of bed, you know, and be like, "Whoa, no, don't do that." <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is, Dan Aykroyd, the character is kind of like this sort of immature possibly lonely gentleman um and uh i think it's kind of interesting how he does not he actually enjoys it because his eyes go cross-eyed and i think it's a necessary scene because it also again, i think like, you can cut it and i think nothing changes it's a stupid the... scene it's like a bad scene actually why is there just a ghost floating around i think that was a deleted scene right where they were investigating something. I don't think they're sleeping in their firehouse. Okay, well... Yeah, because his bed was really, really fancy. Yeah, yeah, I think they're sleeping in, like, a mansion or something, and they yeah. were on the stakeout, and it was a larger sequence uh, that got well, cut, well, then cut, and they just too. threw it into the, the the mix to pad out the montage sequence. That's what I read. I don't know if it's true or not. Bad. Stupid. That's probably um, true. But it's, I think it's interesting. I think, uh... You know, like a PG movie would never have that kind of stuff. You know, key master and gatekeeper. There's a lot of innuendo in that. You know, well, it's not innuendo. They have sex. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs>
Um, and, and then they turn into dogs. No, but the, the interesting thing about the whole the movie being popular with children yet having a fellatio ghost scene I think what's great about that is that really the interesting thing about that is that um, you see the transition between a National Lampoon kind of comedy to popular blockbuster you know the, the, the you know what's popular with kids today I guess like the transition um, in the 80s from like comedy that is because it's interesting because like now comedy I guess today is is more so you know lewd or crude but um like from the late 70s it's like Animal House Kentucky Fried Movie whatever um really sort of adult but then I think in the 80s there were like a lot of sort of kids slash preteen slash teen marketed comedies Ghostbusters came out Ghostbusters came yeah. out at the same time as Gremlins, the same year. Right? Yeah, which I think, yeah, Gremlins, Gremlins is another one, yeah. And also, you know, The Goonies was coming out, and all of these these movies that are that kids end up liking, but not necessarily movies that I think the Goonies marketed for kids. More, Goonies, not so much. Yeah, The Goonies more than, um, no, The Goonies more than Ghostbusters. I think The Goonies is a, is a, is a result of Ghostbusters being popular among the children. Right. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about well, Dan Aykroyd? Yes, we can talk about Dan Aykroyd. Is he like a terrible actor? No. Yes. No. Yes. No, he's not. Yes. He's great. I love Dan Aykroyd. Okay, why do you think Dan? Well, number one, you don't have to be. Oli- <laughs> number one, you don't have to be Olivier to do comedy. So, like, I think he's fine, and he's very charismatic on screen. He's and 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 his and him playing Ray Stans, he does a really great. Where he's kind of this wide-eyed, childlike character and I think he does it pretty well no no okay, <laughs> no. okay. <laughs> I think he you know I'm I'm not using Olivier and Brando as my comedic marks because I've never seen a movie <laughs> he's just, I think he's just a bad actor he's like wow look at this but that's look what the character this. look how great is like. this is like, and then his face just isn't moving at all no like he's got that you know that childlike, wondrous voice, and then his face is just like dopey old man, and he like runs into scenes. Hey guys, I have something. I also don't. I haven't seen too many Dan Aykroyd movies because he's only really he's known, not he's really known not for three much. different movies. Yeah, Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters, and Coneheads. I was gonna say the, the spy movie. What was that one? You know, I I say it's famous. I don't even know what it's <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. What makes the character Nothing. trouble? No, that's Spies I'm, Like Us. Spies Like Us. Oh, I never seen. Spies that. Like Us is, is the movie. I I thought of it immediately. Um, and I didn't need anyone's help with thinking mm-hmm. of that. We're gonna edit this all out. <laughs> I mean, he's not better than Bill Murray. No, but I think that what he has going for him is be, works for the character. Yeah, is yeah. Dan Aykroyd what he has is this passion because when you listen to his interviews with Larry King in real life he believes in aliens he believes in ghosts and he tried to write the movie as kind of that extravaganza of what he really believes in and I think that's Ray's character as someone who is very caught up in the paranormal and so when it's his real enthusiasm coming through I think um alright well I okay sure He's great. So there's a scene where 
I don't know, they get hold, they're in jail and then they get hold to the mayor's office and they have to, they convince the mayor to let them out so they can go and fight Zul. And then it shows the scene of them like screaming out at like City Hall and all of the like army guys running out of City Hall. All the soldiers are just like waiting in City Hall. They run out and they get into their jeeps and then they drive off as well, like to join them, the cavalry. The mayor doesn't control the army. Why are they there? Was that not the National Guard? That was the National Guard. Does the mayor control the National Guard? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's one of those things, again, where um, the movie's already kind of Established itself as being ridiculous, and I think that's what you, you shouldn't. You should have been distracted by like well, see, these, the amazing banter between the characters. Yeah. So to get, I guess, to bring it back to the bigger point, these are the things that annoy me about movies: stupid, nonsensical stuff like that. Like, why is it there? I think it's okay to accept. I think you should accept it. However, I think there are other things that happen later. So, like, if I remember correctly. They're not even there when they go to the building at the end, the National Guard. It's just... There's, like, one truck going down Central Park West, but then they're not there. I always bring this up with Jacob. Like, the movie movie world and just the movie world. Where, like, the movie world is, like, if movies were realistic, um, you know, we would have to go by logic. But I think movies should be watched knowing that you're in this movie movie world. Right. Where you, dis- you suspend disbelief and kind of blindly accept because I feel like with films it's part of it is like you're you're going by somebody else's rules like the director or the writer or whatever and you have to kind of blindly accept certain things you have to let the artist carry you through it and you well I think it's just like anything else where it's like as long as the movie has it establishes here's what can and cannot happen in the world we're showing you as long as they don't change it later yeah. It, 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 you can accept it. Yeah. Okay. I maybe that's something. I that's a fair point. All right. I think my problem. Like, so the army or the national guard or whatever it is, is like a small example, but it happens. Like you know, you mentioned at the very start that um, they mentioned briefly that they can't cross the streams of their proton packs, and then at the end of, they mentioned that at the very start. So at the very end, they can say, "Hey, actually." Let's cross our streams. We know that that's a big deal now, right? right? But it's literally just them saying, "Here's a, there's a concept about crossing the streams, and then in an hour we're going to bring it up again." Same with like when the eggs are puffing, uh, uh, exploding, and like the Stay Puff marshmallows are like right behind. The yeah. Egg well, that's just like For a sure simple this is the setup. Yeah, and, and payoff. Yeah, that's a very in, simple idea. Yeah, and in all art, uh, in books and TV and everything, you have to build the structure, right? You have to introduce characters and concepts somehow at some point, right. if you're ever going to use them. But what I don't like about movies is that it does it so obviously. It just like bashes you over the head with it. To me, it's like here, you know, proton packs, and then at the end, hey, remember that thing we told you about proton packs? It's just like. It's very clunky, I find, a lot of the time. I guess the question being, like, when they said, to test your theory, when they said, don't cross the streams, it's horribly bad Mm. to do this, catastrophically bad, did you think in that moment, oh, they're going to do it to save the day at the end of the movie? Mm. Because if you did, then that proves your point. But if you didn't, 
then I think that you're just like being a good curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do best. It's not the, the how you think it's stupid the National Guard showed up. I mean, you could even argue that the National Guard, they weren't the National Guard or the Army. You could say that they were just like, just a bunch of guys on the street that... In fatigues. Yeah, that just, <laughs> did, just was decided to do that and like they just threw it in there because it's kind of cool, you know? Because that's the thing with film is film is visual and uh, you want to throw, you want to like throw in some cool stuff and I, think, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's so kind of, it happens so quickly. Basically, my point is that it's so, it's happened so quickly, and it's, it's almost like, yes, it's kind of useless, that, that shot, but, you know, it's besides the point. You're nitpicking. Maybe I am nitpicking. Yeah. Well, I think that that's like, because the movie is very, as Lucas said, character-driven. So when you start the movie with them sort of going to interview the librarian. Right, mm-hmm. and then they formed their business. Like a lot of the other stuff is window dressing. Yeah. Like it's not; it's a vehicle for these guys to do their thing, both as characters and as actors. You know. Um, yeah. Well, I, I agree, and I actually I, I say it, I bring it up as like a part of a broader point about like the movie. What did you call it? The movie movie world. Yeah, yeah movie. Yeah. Movie so world. like something to keep in mind that not everything has to silky smooth or something I guess it's if it serves a, a greater point of the movie then yeah but so I feel like sometimes it, it, most of the time for me that doesn't work I like to kind of know what I'm getting into I want to know like the lo- like it's not that it's illogical I guess it's more like it has its own logic you know mm. and uh, I want to live I want when I'm watching a movie I want to live in that world with that logic you know right you know um what probably (laughs) I do want to ask though um being this is the podcast about you getting into films do you see anything like of significance cinematically about the film (laughs) (laughs) like are you sort of like starting to appreciate when you watched it did you I mean you did say that it was just like kind of like oh it's like a fun movie Mm. um but do you think you you may not like it as much as me and Jacob, but like, did you watch it and say and pick up on things like cinematic things about like, oh, they like you know? No, no, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think I didn't go any further than thinking that it was a fun movie that I wasn't checking my watch every five minutes to mm-hmm. see how long it had to go. And, but I think that which is a rare what, no, 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 but that, that is though something you can you can you can you can make that into a thing about it being cinematically significant because I think the way it was written and the way that they've edited the film there's like a pace and I think in the 80s especially they were really good with pacing their films correctly where you never get bored and you know like the emotion like the the emotion there's like certain emotions that don't go overboard or they're not there's not that mm. like there's not like there's always enough emotion and enough sort of interesting visual elements that keep you and that on with the pace like with just like these you know because film being just like a bunch of fragments of images it's like i think that is so prevalent in that film and like i think nobody really focuses on that now i think i feel like movies today 
either are too fast where like all these all this shit is going on or like it's just too slow and I think there's a perfect like the pacing mm-hmm. is like perfect I, I agree with that mm-hmm. I agree that uh, you know the pacing it's well paced and it is well balanced and I guess they're important well I could tell that they were important to this movie obviously mm-hmm. but I don't know like the context of cinema because I don't I haven't right. seen a lot of movies. I don't know. Like, I don't know if Ghostbusters kind of changed the way people paced and balanced their No, but I don't think well. that's true because I think that when you try to... I reason why I don't think it could change that stuff is because when you try to replicate it, it doesn't work. Mm. I, you know, with the remake and with the sequel when they essentially had the same plot beat for beat... And in the sequel, the same characters, pretty much. It doesn't work, so I don't think it could right. change it. However, I think what more, in a sense, could you want than a movie that you can enjoy and not hate every second <laughs> that you're in it? You know, for the first one, that's a pretty good start. That's a pretty Let's good start. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when was it made? It's 1984. 1984. Were you not listening to my amazing intro? <laughs> no, I was distracted by the hilarious joke that came afterward. Um, I don't know... Yeah. I guess I don't know what we're talking about when we say cult, like, cinematically significant. I think Cin- that it's... No, I think that it's directed well. I think it's acted yeah, well Yeah, but it's enough. not bringing anything... It's not like what, you know, Citizen Kane... No, but I think that if you grade Citizen Kane an A and Ghostbusters an A... They can both, that can both be yeah. true, but comparing them is a little bit kneecapping you. Like, you're not going to compare, like, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony to Take Me yes. Home, Country Roads. Oh, I think you can make that comparison. This is funny coming from me, but I don't think that you 100% need every... For something to matter or to be important, it doesn't need to be necessarily breaking new boundaries yeah. with every single thing. I think what this movie did is it's a movie and you'd be surprised at how often that doesn't happen where it's like there's scenes, there's a beginning, a middle and end, there's characters who have things to do and it's 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 shot very well, it's written very well, it's directed perfectly to keep all those different elements in check yeah. to the point where I think that alone is a, is a feat. It's not showy like inventing a new type of shot but it, it it's perfect in the sense of it did exactly what it needed to do. Yeah. Um, and it accomplished everything that it should have, even if it was by accident. <laughs> Alright, well, I think we got it. Somewhat agreement. Yeah. I think we got it. Yeah, we should uh, go play Ghostbusters outside now. <laughs> what does that mean? You just chase Lucas around. <laughs> He's just floating through the streets.